Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. We are up and ready to go on a Friday edition of Follow the Money. Stormy Tony and the Super Bowl champ, former NFL quarterback Sean King on the desk in for Mitch and Polly. We have a fun show ahead, Sean, as we have all week. This has been great. Uh, Daytona 500 coming up. So at around 8.30 Eastern, Danielle Trot of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio will join us. We'll get into some NBA with athletic writer Seth Partnow in Hour 3. Also in Hour 3, college hoops. Down goes Purdue yet again. Unranked Maryland handled business. Get his opinion on back and Matt Painter when it counts. And near the end of the show, a little bit later, NHL Puckster Domus's favorite guest of the day for sure, EJ Radek, will join us. Uh, as always, I'm going to have to, like every guest that we have this week, I just have to get the opinion on the Bruins. And you're going to have to get your opinion on the Lightning. And we're just going to see what happens. <laughs> the trade deadline is coming up March 3rd, okay? So we're going to see who's buying and who's selling. But the big news that I want to start off with today, and uh, it's dominating all of the headlines, is Tiger Woods and his three birdies to close out round one at the Genesis yesterday. Finishes the day two under par, Sean, um, and sitting in a position that I don't think anybody really thought he would be his first day out there. Well, I fully expected him to actually play well yesterday and today. I did not bet Tiger Stormy because I didn't think his endurance would hold up Saturday and Sunday. But obviously I think the groups that teed off later, the conditions must have been a little tougher because it was a group with him, Rory, 
and Justin Thomas, and they all kind of were, they were hacking it around for the most <laughs> part. So the two under was actually pretty good. As yeah. you mentioned, he finished strong. It, it wasn't pretty golf in the group, but, you know, they kind of grinded through it. Um, and only five off the lead. Max yeah. Homer, who I did put a future in, uh, ticket in on 20 to 1. He sits atop at minus seven. But uh, I'm proud of Tiger. Uh, I did not think he entered the Genesis to win. I think he's going to slowly get himself in shape so that come Masters, he has the endurance to go out and do his best for mm -hmm. four full days. So I think that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, these first couple of days would certainly be the best opportunity for him to have success before, whether it's the plantar fasciitis or whatever it is that he's dealing with, um, because he largely, when he's been playing courses, been able to play on a cart. You know, the last time that he was in a big event like this was in 2020 when he missed the cut at the British Open. So, um, you know, the, the types of things that he's going to have to do are tough, but... He did have a noticeable limp. Throughout yes. the round yesterday. So, obviously, something is, is not necessarily bothering him, but something's definitely uncomfortable. So, it's interesting that he hasn't found cushioning in a shoe that, that at least alleviates that uncomfortability. I mean, because I'm sure he's trying. Have you ever had plantar fasciitis? I have, and it feels terrible. It's awful. Yeah, it's like people are sticking needles in your feet. Yeah, like it's a... My my producer on on my other show Stephanie Kamershack, she said that she, to get rid of her she like used a butter knife to essentially yeah, just scrape the bottom of do, her foot yeah. until it would. It, it sounds a lot easier than I think it is to do. Actually, probably easier if somebody else does it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. But it it was one of those things though where yesterday on the back nine when he got through, I want to say it was twelve. He had a few bogeys in a row, and you're like, okay, maybe he's already feeling it. And then he was able to turn it on at the end, and it was really special. And it's another one of those things that just gets casual viewers involved with golf, which I think is great. And it's one of those things where like the fact that he's playing in general right now is incredible. It's two years ago after this event that he gets in that car accident where you're just wondering, like, is he going to be able to get out of this and live? Right. Then is he going to be able to walk? Then is he going to be able to even swing a golf club, period? And the fact that he's out here at a PGA Tour event, um, that's what I like is I like the story. Our producer, Dustin, coming in hot this morning. Very, very anti just the obsession around Tiger Woods at this stage in his career where he's 47 years old and people are coming out here saying, because, because he says at his press conference he still feels that he can win, that everybody's like goo goo gaga over Tiger still. Well, I think the reality is that the PGA still needs Tiger. Uh, people were interested in the waste management that went to the waste management, but not many people flicked their TV on Thursday to watch it or Friday to watch it. No one would be watching the Genesis if Tiger wasn't in it. Yeah. So, like, the PGA needs that because I know some people may get uh, exhausted with, with all the Tiger coverage, but it also creates exposure for others, Justin Thomas, there's no way Justin Thomas is in the feature group and people are watching if Tiger isn't there. So, I mean, it's good for the other guys. Uh, Tiger's earned the right to play. A lot of the prize purses, you know, a lot of the, you know, off the field opportunity, off the course opportunities they have are a direct result of Tiger's prominence, you know, when he was at his best. So, I like when he plays. It, it creates interest but, that otherwise wouldn't be there. But is that a problem with golf, that all eyes are really only on these events if he's in it, that he's, like, bigger than the game in that way, that it's great that it draws eyeballs at the time, but what about when he is officially done? Well, I done? think the reason that it still, you know, is in that space, he's the last golfer that was truly dominant. 
I mean, now the, the top 20, the top 30 are as good as they've ever been, Stormy. But because of that parity, no one really dominates. One week is Rom, the next week is Shuffley, next week is Shuffler, then it's Rory. And it kind of just bounces around and pings, so they haven't been able to create a true superstar. The last true superstar in golf was Tiger Woods. The only true superstar in golf still is Tiger Woods. So I think he's good for the game. Uh, Max Homa, you, as you mentioned, alongside Keith Mitchell, your leaders in the clubhouse right now at seven under. World number three, John Rahm, posting his seventh round of 65 or better, sitting in third at six under. And he is the favorite three to one to go on and win this thing right now. Here's Tiger, though, on his first round back on the PGA Tour. I, you know, I, I was able to simulate nerves at home because I've come off layoffs before and I was able to simulate that stuff. But there's nothing like come game time. Uh, just the feeling of the butterflies and trying to calm all that stuff down. The adrenaline, the ball goes further. Even though it's cold out here, it was going even further than I than we expected. Um, I had to dial all that back in. Joey hadn't seen me hit a golf ball in a while, and so obviously he's his feels are. We're, we're trying to get you know the the feels for out there and the shots and the distances, um, and we adapted very quickly. Makes me feel better about getting nervous that I'm not alone. Now, even I, Tiger Woods can I, get. I've nervous. been able to do a lot of things in my life to simulate nerves. Like, I, does he have a machine? <laughs> I mean, is, is Tiger? What is he talking about right there? I simulated nerves at home. I don't know if I agree with that one, Tiger. But hey, I'm glad to have you back, big dog. Yeah, a good start. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you make the house real cold and then see if you can put it? Like, how do you simulate nerves? Can you purchase this? Like, does Target sell this as a three pack? Like, where is this coming from? Um, also, yesterday we had the introductory press conference in Arizona for new head coach Jonathan Gannon as he moves on from the Eagles defensive coordinator role. Kyler Murray was there. Um, lots of questions to Gannon naturally surrounding Kyler Murray and finding an offensive coordinator for him to put him in a position for success. Take a listen to this as well. We're starting to look at some different candidates and uh, looking at interviewing some people here in the next 48 hours. And uh, But I have a very specific vision of how I want to play on offense. And the person that comes in here to run the offense is going to understand that everything that we do will be structured around the quarterback position to maximize his skill set. And we have an elite one. We also have some elite players at different positions already on the roster that I'm very excited to work with. And uh, that's what we're going to do. So, But uh, just as an overall general philosophy of being adaptable, uh, we're going to maximize Kyler's skill set. We're going to be adaptable. We're going to generate explosives. We're going to protect the football and be situationally smart. And we know that when you hear me talk about explosives and takeaways, we know those are winning stats. And that's all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. That's what we will preach, and that's what we're going to practice, and that's what the players will be educated on. And that's how we're going to play. And um, so if you do those things, you'll be in the playoffs. Not sure I agree with calling Kyler Murray elite, but a lot of the thought process around it, I, I understand. How big of a task truly is it, Sean, to get Kyler Murray back on track? Uh, well, the skill set is elite. Uh, the arm talent, the athleticism, uh, both rate you know, pretty highly when you compare it to others in the league. It's the maturity that has been the issue. So, um He's got some time to, to self-reflect. Uh, we'll see. Uh, very interesting uh, 
choice of attire for Jonathan Gannon? Did he have like a brunch he was headed to after this? Like normally, you just like judging these well, press conferences. Well, normally, you know, when you become a, it's only thirty two of these. You know, jobs in the world, right? Now, I, I've mentioned that multiple times this week. No. You would think maybe put a tie <laughs> on Coach Gannon, please. I mean, unless he had a brunch that he had to get to right after this, you know, and he wanted to dress, you know, for the occasion. Like, he kind of was, I mean, sport coat, unbuttoned. Uh, okay, Sean, aside from Jonathan Gannon's attire, what other immediate changes do you think will be important for him in Arizona? He's also got to go to Bosley because that hair piece at the top is it's thinning. Uh, he's young enough to get it. I mean, hey, Nick Wright did it, right, from Fox. I mean, he all of a sudden came back with a full head. So, I mean, it's possible. Uh, he sounds confident. He sounds like he has a plan. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, what does his network allow him to hire? Because generally when a guy gets a head job for the first time, he goes back within his network. Where has he coached? Who has he coached with? of those men who's available or does he have a mentor that's got a, going, going to kind of guide him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who he hires for these positions. Um, I don't think Arizona's a bad job. I think it's a tricky job, but I also think that if Kyler Murray comes back mature-er from this injury than he was prior to the injury, then you have a chance to be successful. We will have to wait and see, but we'll continue this conversation uh, at other times throughout the course of the show. Remember, everybody, though, as football season does come to an end, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for hoops and hockey. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. You can join them each week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Hoops Bet and Get, and more. You can check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. We got win some, lose some. Coming up here next, don't go anywhere more. Follow the money rolling along on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. What's going on, sports fans? As the football season comes to an end, don't forget, Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for basketball and hockey. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. You can join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. Sean King, you were just in the commercial break talking to me about how your hockey evening went highs and lows last night yeah highs and lows uh some good some bad um i did ultimately hit a parlay late uh, i didn't give it out on the show because i did not intend to play it but uh i put together Kraken uh in regulation they won with these i had uh arizona my college basketball play that i did give out on the show and then i had which was never in doubt and then i had the golden knights in regulation and it was 1-1, and it was winding down, and the Golden Knights came through for me with like 20 <laughs> seconds left in regulation to, to close out the parlay. So, nice hit. I that's why you play to the whistle, that's right? That's why I don't advise doing parlays. Like, I mean, they're, they're always stressful, and they it generally mm. goes the other way for you. Uh, so, what would have been a 2-1 and one night if I yeah. had lost would have been a, a O night. It's nice. Yesterday, for like the first time in the history of history with me, I had a no-sweat evening. It was a beautiful thing. We'll we'll talk a little bit more. that's what happens. The good karma when you're working with me, you see how it it rubs off? We'll talk about that a little more in pocket at the end of the show. But hey, race season is firing up. The Daytona 500 coming up this Sunday. The 65th annual running of the Great American Race. Going to be a complete sellout in the grandstands and the field. It's going to be awesome to help us. Break it all down. We welcome in Danielle Trotta of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, host of On Track weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern alongside Daytona 500 winning crew chief Larry McReynolds. What's going on, Danielle? Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm down here in Daytona. The beach is right behind me. You can't see through the uh, the curtains here in my hotel, but it's beautiful Sunny, and we love sunshine and fast race cars. So Daytona's shaping up to be a great weekend. Absolutely going to be a special event, no doubt. And another year, another front row spot, it appears, for Alex Bowman, who edged out Kyle Larson for the pole, grabbed a record six straight front row start at qualifying. Both Hendricks Motorsports drivers, though. What's the outlook for the two of them come Sunday and this season, too? I think Hendrick Motorsports, they historically qualify really well for the Great American Race. They put a lot of emphasis as an organization on getting the pole and sweeping the front row. They've done it once again. I do wonder, though, sometimes if you sacrifice a little bit of qualifying speed for race setup, because 
Hendrick Motorsports has not won this race in nine years. The last time they did it was 2014 with Dale Jr., who's no longer driving in the sport at the top series. So it's been a long time. We don't have to remind them of that. I've heard from the top down, uh, Mr. Hendrick himself has said, let's focus a little bit more on race handling. I didn't see it last night in the duels. They had outright speed in qualifying. Now, maybe they played chicken and hung out in the back a little bit. Um, in that qualifying race to save their car and not get wadded up in a wreck. But I like playing the long game. I think it's great to have speed for Alex Bowman and Kyle Larson and win the pole for the 500. It's a it's a snazzy headline. But I like being a better race car for 500 miles on Sunday. And we just haven't seen these guys be there up front at the end to win this race. The Fords, to me, look the fastest in the qualifying races last night. Okay, well, talk us through that. If there are some some names and drivers or teams that you think have the best opportunity come Sunday. Yeah, I think the Fords are really fast. And the Fords have won four out of the last 10 Daytona 500s. Chevrolet and Toyota are close with three apiece. But the Fords historically are fast and they race really well. And we saw that again last night with Joey Logano from Team Penske and Eric Amarola from Stuart Haas Racing, both winning their respective dual races. The duels are each, they're two separate races, 60 laps apiece, and they help set the final field for the Daytona 500. So now we know officially where everyone's going to start Sunday, but these guys also don't have any practice. So they use last night's qualifying races as practice. How do they draft somebody? Are they a good pusher? Are they a better leader? Are they a better follower? What line is fast, the inside, the outside? The Fords had good moves. They were fast. They were up front all night. They were leading laps. I like the guys like Joey Logano, who's a Daytona 500 champion. Ryan Blaney, who's finished uh, second twice in this race. Um, They looked really, really good. I thought... Eric Amarola, Kevin Harvick, two more Fords from Stuart Haas Racing looked excellent. So I really like where some of these guys' odds are at. Um, In the Toyotas, Bubba Wallace, I thought, was incredibly skilled last night. He was up front mixing it up with these Fords. He's finished second out of the last three years. Do not overlook Bubba Wallace. Um, And then his boss, Denny Hamlin, at 2311. He drives for Joe Gibbs, but he's won the Daytona 500 three times, Mm -hmm. so it's hard to leave out Denny. Yeah, looking at past history, nobody comes in stronger than Denny Hamlin, it appears. Three wins at Daytona, been at victory lane in this race. Austin Dillon, who you mentioned, and Kevin Harvick, also with multiple wins. And Harvick's, this is his final start at the Daytona 500. One of the best to do it. I know there's a lot of people rooting for him, but do you think that he can win it? Mm-mm. He's no. done it before, and I was talking to some of his people last night. I said, how's Harvick feeling? And they said, I don't think he's going to leave anything on the table. Now, that's in terms of rivalries. If somebody doesn't race him fairly, he's not wasting any time getting back. Like, I just think Harvick is like a different guy. He's a man on a mission. It's his final Daytona 500. I think he's going to play it smart. I think he's going to be there at the end. And I go back to the Fords. He's in one of those Stuart Haas racing Fords. He was running top three, top four in his respective duel all last night. So I definitely could see him getting it done on Sunday. You know, it's interesting. I have been to the Daytona 500 (laughs) twice, Danielle, but I will be honest. The hydration started early and it continued from start (laughs) to finish. So I don't actually remember watching a whole lot of the race. But talk us through like the, the, the fan experience of actually being there. This is a sellout crowd, um, for the sixth consecutive year, I believe. Um, everything sold out. I drove in, got here on Wednesday and the campers, I'm sure you saw that. Like just 
everywhere. The campgrounds everywhere. And every campsite, like the families, they set up a party. Like it's just a massive party. And NASCAR fans are friendly. So they'll be like, hey, what's up? Come have a drink. Come hang out. Come play cornhole. Like it is just one big party. It doesn't matter who you root for. Like I think maybe a tailgate at a football game sometimes is like a little, you know, you're the Patriots and we're not kind of thing. <laughs> In NASCAR, it doesn't matter who you cheer for. I feel like everyone just wants to drink and have a good time and <laughs> and party together. You do have to pace yourself because it was very smart. That's smart on because it's a very long day. <laughs> just one of the many elements that makes the Daytona 500 so special. Do you have like a favorite Daytona like memory or a race winner that stands out to you? Yeah, the last time I was talking about uh, Dell Jr. won the 500. I was there covering it. And I, I just, I saw him up front in the closing laps and I thought, I want to like feel the roar. There's nothing like an Earnhardt roar when they're leading at Daytona or Talladega, like his father, Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Just iconic. And so they just have such a groundswell in terms of fan support. So I kind of like snuck up, came down from the press box and when he took the lead and won that race, like the grandstands, I felt like they were waiting. Like I, I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like that. I mean, it was, the sound was deafening, the energy electric, um, the love for an Earnhardt winning at Daytona, which, you know, tragic place that his father lost his life in 2001. So it holds a lot of meaning and sentiment to the fans. And so they want to see Junior have success at that track. Um, and looking back, knowing it was his last Daytona 500 win made it that much more special. You know, it's interesting talking about Dale Sr. He was my favorite driver. <clears throat> I, was, I was, I don't know how I, I, my television at the time, this had to be like uh, early 80s, mid 80s. I was a little kid and there was this yellow and blue Wrangler number three, which is what he was driving. This is before he went to the black, I think Goodrich number three. So I was a big yeah. Dale Sr. fan. That's awesome. You dang, you're bringing you're bringing me back now. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 throwing it back. Iconic. Um, yeah. Is there, is, is, a, there, is there a budding superstar? We got like about forty five seconds left. Is there a budding superstar to kind of take over NASCAR to become like the 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 Dale Earnhardt, the, the Richard guy. Petty, you know, uh, of this the era? Next, the next guy. Yeah, I I really love um, Tyler Reddick. He just joined 2311 Racing. He's part of the Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin brand now. I think he's a star, uh, really. I think he's the complete package. Um, watch out for the defending truck series champion, Zane Smith. He just qualified last night and hurt his first Daytona 500. It's like a quarterback, and I'm watching them graduate college and enter the draft knowing they're going to be the number one pick. Yeah. And all the buzz is about this kid. It's Zane Smith. Like, everyone is talking about how bright the future is for him. Danielle, you're amazing. Great Thanks so stuff, much for Danielle. your insight. Thank you. you guys are so much fun. Come down to Daytona yes. next year and we'll all join you together. Yes. I'm I need all, to get out there. I'm all for it. Danielle Trotta, everybody, killing it. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. We will see who takes home the Harley J. Earl Trophy come Sunday. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. All 
right, sports fans, the football season has come to an end, and BetRivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for all things hoops and hockey. BetRivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. You can join them each week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and a whole lot more. You can check out BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app. It's a whole new game. Stormy Bonantoni and Sean King in for the guys live from Circa Resort and Casino. Getting back to some hoops in the association to help us break down everything that's going on with uh, what may happen after the All-Star break. We bring in Seth Partnow, athletic NBA writer, former director of basketball research for the Milwaukee Bucks. Hello, Seth. Thank you for joining us early this morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, uh, let's start in the East and the Bucks and Celtics, I feel like, Everyone kind of views this as a two-horse race. How do you see things atop the East? Um, I think that's about right. Those are the, the the two easy favorites. It would be it would be at this point, barring injuries, somewhat of a surprise if that wasn't the Eastern Conference Finals uh, matchup. Uh, what to make of that matchup when it happens? When and if it happens, it's hard to say. Um, in, in large part because the, so much of the season the Bucks have been playing without Chris Middleton and he's still not up to full strength uh, in terms of of how mu- how many minutes he can play on a nightly basis. Um, a lot of people in the series that they in, in, in the series they played in last year's playoffs was Middleton not being available. Uh, the Celtics are also a better roster than they were last year, so if both teams at full strength. Um, I certainly want to see seven games of that. I think that would be uh, extremely entertaining and competitive. It's interesting. I do think there's something to the Cavs. I really liked when they made the Donovan Mitchell move this offseason, and he has not disappointed, averaging a tick over 27 points a game. But they also have Darius Garland. Then they have the two big guys in Mobley and Allen. If Boston and Milwaukee slip up, is Cleveland the next team in line, or do you think it's someone else, maybe the Sixers? My biggest worry for the Cavs is there is not really a lot of precedent for a team with as little playoff experience as they have in amongst their key players. Aside from Mitchell, um, no one who's really going to get minutes for them has, has a lot of playoff experience. And if you look at the last 20 years, really, only a couple teams have progressed far in the playoffs with that. And, and we're talking about like some of the early Warriors runs, and I don't think we're ready to compare this Cavs team to, to, you know, the, 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 the early Warriors championships. And then the, uh, the sons of a couple of years ago, when it was kind of a weird year, um, could they maybe, you know, have that kind of run perhaps, but I think it's less likely. Um, I think I would probably just based on the level of experience, think that Philly has a, has a better shot than Cleveland does at least this year, next year, it's going to be a whole different story for the Cavs. I think. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Why you think the future is so bright for them? Um, I think the ages of their players. Uh, there's there's a certain learning aspect of how to deal with playoff basketball. The sort of the the dynamics of playing the same team seven times over the course of two weeks. How you have to change and expand your game. Um, and I think that getting that experience for a Darius Garland, for an Evan Mobley, who is. Um, Really, the, the the important piece in in the Cavs' evolution is Evan Mobley kind of starting to really deliver on on the two way potential everyone thinks he has, um, possible Defensive Player of the Year type player as well as 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 expanding offensive game over the years. Um, 
So, so yeah, I think it's just it's gaining that experience and also just one more year to uh, have the ability to fill some of the other holes in their roster. Um, they've had a problem at small forward kind of all year. Had to have tried to fill it by committee, uh, signing Danny Green off the the buyout market to try to fill that. And I think that you know the off season will give them a chance to to possibly upgrade that position and you know go into the playoffs with a with a really solid five man unit instead of four guys you are really happy with and sort of hoping for the best out of that fifth spot. Seth Partno, former NBA analyst, uh, current NBA analyst for the Athletic, former Milwaukee Bucks executive. I remember back in 2017, the Sixers created this thing called tanking, or at least that's how I remember it. I could be off on who started it, but it's all culminated in what they have now. Is Embiid, Harden, Maxi enough? I know they haven't been yet, but... Can they get hot? Is there any chance that this 76ers team can come out of the East? I think so. I mean, you start with Joel Embiid. It's a little bit of a cliche that that in an NBA playoff series, best player wins. Um, But there's enough truth in it that you have to be mindful of it. And in any given series, Joel Embiid can be the best player against any team, any other player. Um, So that gives them a chance right there. I think the biggest question for them is, are they going to play like a James Harden team or a Joel Embiid team when it kind of gets down to the end of the playoff game? The more they're playing through Embiid and, and catering to his style, I think the better chance they have. I think we've seen kind of uh, in the past the ways in which uh, sort of the James Harden dribble the clock down, shoes has run into problems uh, later on in the playoffs. Um, they certainly have, have the talent. It's just whether or not they can really lean on their best player um, instead of their second best player um, a, a, as much as they need to in, in those key moments. So I got a question. There are some young teams that have been accumulating picks, Rockets, Pistons, you know, some teams that aren't very good now, Magic. Which one of these teams do you think we can back after the All-Star game? Like, who's got enough momentum they're going to be in an underdog role, but they can pull some upsets. Like they have the, the the talent, but also the focus and the desire to actually, you know, have a good second half of the NBA season. I'll give you two teams. You mentioned the Magic, and I think the Magic have been uh, exciting and, and frisky and not completely out of range of, of making the play-in. Um, so that's one. And the other the other team is the Oklahoma City Thunder, who uh, – probably have the, the most unknown star in the NBA in, in Shea Gilders Alexander. Um, and, and they are also sort of right on the edge of, of the, the, the playing contention. And I think both teams have easily enough talent, especially if other teams pick up injuries or, you know, in the case of, of a team like Utah, maybe chooses to go a different direction for the rest of their season. Uh, they can, they can, certainly be in games and maybe even make up enough ground to, to, you know, make the, make the play in. and once you get to that point, you know, perhaps even make the playoffs. In the Western conference, Seth, Phoenix all of a sudden is now the hammer. They bring in Kevin Durant joining Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. And just, you, you imagine that this team is built to win a championship all of a sudden, or at least win the West. Why in your mind, 
is Denver, despite like leading the West right now, having what's potentially going to be a three-time MVP in Nikola Jokic, why are they not considered the favorite in your eyes? Does Kevin Durant really make that big of a difference that the, it's the Suns or bust in the West? Oh, I, if, if you're asking me, I think Denver is, is, should still be favored. Um, I, I can make the finals preseason, and there's been very little that's happened over the course of the season to, to change my mind. Um, on paper, the Suns are certainly very strong. Um, we haven't seen these guys play together. Um, now, Kevin Durant is one of the more plug-and-play superstars we've ever seen. Still don't know how that team works because a little bit like the Cavs we mentioned earlier, they have those four players and then everything after that is a giant question mark. How are they going to be able to stop anybody? Is certainly a big question. Three of their top four players have had you know consistent injury concerns, um, which is something you know we have to we have to account for. Healthiest team often wins in the playoffs, and the Suns in in Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and even Devin Booker have had a lot of recent injury history. So I think that um, while acknowledging sort of the, the top-end talent that Phoenix obviously has, uh, it's not a straight line from, from, there, to the, from there to the finals. There, there's a lot of things that still have to go their way. Now, if you said that they were out equivalent, you know, you said that their chances and Nuggets' chances and, you know, whatever you think of Memphis are about the same. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, but if you're asking me, I'm taking today. It's, it's going to be a nugget. Seth, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate you talking it over with us. And thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great stuff. Seth Partnow, the athletic NBA analyst over there, former executive with the Milwaukee Bucks, the top four teams in the West right now in order, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and Phoenix. In terms of the odds, the Suns, the favorite, plus 235. Nuggets, plus 390. Clippers sitting there at plus 475, followed by the Mavs at plus 750 with the addition of Kyrie. He made me feel good because I'm actually a Magic fan, and I haven't had a lot to root for. But (laughs) obviously, Paolo Banchero's been amazing. We got Wagner. We got some really good young pieces. It'll be exciting if they can start, you know, putting it together a little bit after the uh, All Star break and and, and win some games down the stretch. That'll be neat. When you when you talked about injury history um, with the stars of the Suns. I immediately just thought of injury history with the Clippers and the teams that I'm trying to back. Um, I think that they're going to be able to get through it, though, Sean, unlike your Warriors. Well, they'll have Russell Westbrook coming off the uh, bench. Stop. I don't. I just don't understand that. I even saw something on Twitter that um, was saying that the odds might lengthen (laughs) if they (laughs) added him. Oh, no. I I just don't want that. I think that they've got a good enough core that – if they stay healthy and can put it together, that they'll be a contender in the West. I do believe that. We're going to find out. Yeah, with the Suns, we just we haven't seen it yet. So once Kevin Durant is healthy, once he's back out there on the court after the All-Star break, then we can make that determination. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right, quick break. We'll be back with more Follow the Money after this.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college hoops, the VEASAN experts have you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to the daily recap of top plays made from show hosts and guests. Tools like betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the year, including bracket breakdowns, top plays, and props daily. Don't miss out. This is a limited time offer. Visit vsin.com slash subscribe to sign up. Again, just $9.99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Uh, no more association. It is time to talk college hoops. Excited to bring in Terrence Oglesby, uh, the Field of 68 college hoops analyst. You can catch him coming up this month on ESPNU and FS1 covering a number of different teams, including the ye old Mountain West that you know I love so much. Welcome in, Terrence. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you so much. First time uh, being on the show, so thank you for having me. Yes, excited to have you. Also, a former Clemson guard, played professional overseas, so excited to get your players' perspective as well in this one. Uh, first of all, can you take us through why, oh, why it is so hard for a top team in the country to stay a top team in the country? Down goes number one. Down goes number three. Purdue's lost three of their last four. What's going on in college hoops this year? I just think the talent base is much broader this year. I think the extra year of eligibility gave teams that don't typically have as much talent uh, at least comparable talent. And whatever happens, coaching starts to take over, right? And even though Purdue is really, really good, they're still young and they're playing against a team in Maryland that have a bunch of older guards. And they 
held Zach Eady fairly in check. I think the biggest thing is, as you look at this season, instead of there being three or four really good teams where you're thinking, hey, they could win a national championship, I think it's closer to 10 to 12 teams this season that could get hot and win six games in a row. And a lot of it has to do with that extra year of eligibility that helps so much. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking around and, you know, every time I fall in love, uh, they give me a reason to fall out of love just (laughs) as fast. Uh, One team that had high expectations coming in, they've been pretty solid. A couple losses, but you would expect that is Houston. Does Houston have enough offense when we get to the tournament to really, really have a legit shot to win it all? I really think they do, and a lot of it has to do with Marcus Sasser. I know he hasn't been the guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be coming into this season, but at the same time, he dealt with some injuries early in the year. And, guys, basketball season's different. I mean, you guys know this. It's not 11 games and out. You're playing 33, 34 games, depending on how deep you go, and you're going to drop some. That's just going to happen. Where Houston's going to do well is they control their controllables about as well as anybody. It looks like it hurts to play Houston. Every cut is bumped. Every box out is hit. Every rebound is crashed. And it's just the fact that Kelvin Sampson has those guys doing those little things with such consistency that changes what their opponents have to prepare for. They have to embrace 40 minutes of really getting after it. And then you have an end-of-the-game guy, Marcus Sasser, who can create something out of nothing, which in the NCAA tournament is really important because offenses break down. It's really heavily scouted. Players know what they're going to go up against offensively. It really comes down to who has that individual talent. Houston has that individual talent, both with Sasser and this freshman All-American, Jarris Walker, who has been terrific all season as well. You know, Terrence, another team that I'm really high on, and they're coming off of, a, I mean, just a runaway win versus Utah last night, is Arizona. Because they do have length. They have wing skill. The one thing that worries me is I just don't trust Chris at time. He turns the ball over a little too much for my for my taste. But but is Arizona strong enough to win it all as well? I think they certainly are. When you're that big and you still play that fast, guys, they're knights in the country in adjusted tempo. This is an Arizona team that flies up and down the floor. And Azulis Tabellas, despite being 6'10", 240 pounds or whatever he is. He's like, a baller. He's able to. He is really, really good, and he's really fast, and he has the ability to guard out on the perimeter. The only thing, I'm going to agree with you with Kirk Creesa. He's the, I think the nice way to put this is an emotional wrecking ball (laughs) because (laughs) you don't really know what you're going to get from one day to the next. But when Kirk Creesa is really good, uh, he can turn a game on its head, and that's something that you like to have as a coach. But game comes down to the end. You're in an Elite Eight game. It could be tough to kind of rein him in a little bit and find ways uh, to get other guys involved. Because Kurt Kreese, every time he walks on the floor, he feels like he's the best player on the floor. And I respect that. That's how I felt. And to be honest with you guys, when I was playing at Clemson, I was a good player, but I was easily the third, maybe fourth best player on the floor for our own team. I love an irrational confidence guy, but Kurt Kreese takes that to another level, almost to the detriment of Arizona sometimes. Interesting, interesting. When, what are some characteristics of of a team that is able to go all the way and when's the right time to get hot like that's what i'm trying to figure out as we get closer and closer to conference tournament time like is now the time where you need to be in stride to have success when you get to the league tournaments or or when do you need to be in that proper zone well you need to start creeping back in that direction right i I think the ideal time to hit your lull 
is at the beginning of January, middle of January, and then you can kind of start creeping back to what you figure out works for you. Uh, and then whenever you're playing a team, I, for example, let's bring up UConn, who hit went on a three-game losing streak and lost four out of five between uh, January 11th and January 15th. Well, now they've reeled off three out of their last four, starting to play better. And sometimes when you go on some of these losing streaks, it expedites your learning curve a little bit to where, hey, we need to fix it now. I always compare this to a couple of years ago where Kentucky went undefeated for what was it, 34-0, and 35-0. and Some of their mistakes were still mistakes in January and February, but the problem was, was because they were winning, it wasn't that big of a deal. What happens? They go and lose. I think it was in the final four. I don't have those right in front of me, but you can hide small issues when you're winning. Sometimes it takes a few losses to kind of get back in the right, right frame of mind and to find out, hey, this is where we need to improve in order to win the big one. So if you, to answer your question, and I know I went on a tangent right there, <laughs> get to the end of February. If that's when you're playing well, that's when you can make a run. You know, something that's not talked about a lot, Terrence, Mike Krzyzewski retired, Jay Wright retired at Villanova. A lot of the old guard, the guys that I knew I could trust to make the right decisions – are no longer on the sideline. Who has the coaching advantage come March that also has a team that you think is capable? You know what? That's an awfully tough one. There are holes everywhere. I think the guy you look at right now has to be Matt Painter at Purdue. And even though they've lost a few here lately, he just has that acumen to be able to put his guys in the right spot. And I was wondering when it was going to slow down a little bit for them because – uh, Lawyer and Braden Smith, those are young guys playing in an old league in the Big Ten. Eventually, with all the coaches in that league, they're, they're going to falter some. Uh, I, I, if I had to give it to one person right now, today, it's hard for me to go away from two guys in the Big 12. That's Scott Drew and Bill Self. Both have won national championships recently. Scott Drew has guards that can really play. Bill Self has Jalen Wilson, who's a first-team All-American in my mind. Uh you gotta, you got to linger a little bit towards the Big 12 because of their recent success in the past six or seven years. So to answer your question, it's still wide open. We don't really have that voice that everybody looks to as the end-all, be-all, like we looked at Coach K for a long time. Uh, I think there's a few other voices that are starting to step up and be heard in that same category, and I think one of them is Ed Cooley at Providence. The only thing is he's in Providence, Rhode Island, and not the head coach at Duke or not the head coach at Kentucky. But he's a guy that a lot of people look at and be like, well, yeah, that makes sense. We could work with that. Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, a lot of blue blood programs that are on the outside looking in at this point. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if some of these are even going to make the tournament. Like, if, if Kentucky doesn't have a lot of success and start figuring things out. Are, are they going to be stuck out of this thing? Like which of those programs do you think has the best opportunity to get into the tournament and make something happen? I'll be honest with you, Stormy. I don't understand the net metrics for anything. I'm trying my best, but it seems <laughs> like every time I look at them and somebody wins, they drop three spots. So you can ex- <laughs> try to explain to me how that works. Uh, I'm not sure how all everything, all these things go. I hate that metric. And I, I, I'm, say that tongue-in-cheek I obviously understand what happens they have to win by 10 points but at you know to improve their rankings but at what point have you ever talked to a coach and the coach be like well I hope we beat the spread 
I hope we win by 10. No, w- winning is hard enough. I think it's a crazy metric, to be honest with you guys. But if you look at Kentucky, they've been wildly inconsistent, and they don't really have any marquee wins. Some of their wins in the non-conference, I mean, a Michigan win on a neutral floor, does that really help you? No, it, it really doesn't at this point. Uh, Kentucky's going to find a way in because they're not going to be towards the bottom of their conference. They're eight and five in league. They have a big one at home against Tennessee. I'm not worried about Kentucky. I'm not necessarily worried about Duke because they have some quality non-conference wins. The one I worry about more than anything, guys, is North Carolina. And at some point, I said this the other day, it's at what point do you become what you consistently do? Like we're expecting them to be really, really good consistently, and they just haven't been that this year. Terrence, you are awesome. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate you. That is Terrence Oglesby, college hoops analyst. You can catch him tonight on ESPNU game at Siena. Um, Plus money price on the Kentucky Wildcats to make the tournament. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Sports fans, remember Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be for hoops and hockey. Bet Rivers has you covered for every line, odd, and boost. You can join them each week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay Bet and Get, Weekly Pro Basketball Bet and Get, and more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. It's a whole new game. Stormy Bon and Tony and Sean King live from Circus Sportsbook, where Sean just repeatedly keeps on telling me and showing me written down on sheets of paper that Puck Stradamus knows things. Facts. Okay. Well, you know who knows things better than you do is EJ Raddick. So thank goodness we have a great guest to help cool your jets a little bit. NHL Network senior reporter and host, host NHL now for Eastern weekdays. Welcome in, EJ. Can we please, like, just set this man in his place if we can? Well, I don't know. Puckstradamus is, like, I mean, that's pretty well known. So <laughs> I... I, I don't know. We'll just have to see what I can do. I, I was EJ, counting I'm a, on I'm a, you. I'm a man of the people, EJ. Uh, Stormy, she's upset because uh, she's looking at this Eastern Conference, and she all she sees is Boston. And I'm telling her that it's much more than Boston, that nothing comes out of the East without, first of all, going through Tampa. But I also think that Carolina is awfully darn good as well. Boston had a tremendous first half of the season. How does the Eastern Conference play out in the second half? In your opinion, well, it's hard. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, four or five or six of the best teams in the league are all in the East. It seems like. I mean, Boston's had an unbelievable year, so you got to you look at them. I mean, a team that's lost, uh, you know, what? I mean, eight games in regulation through the first part of the first fifty-four games. I mean, that's that's significant. So they've got you got to rate them the edge. I like. The thing too that gets under maybe underappreciated about the, about the Bruins is both those goaltenders, especially uh, Olmark, has been terrific this year. Maybe you know you look at the Bruins and you're saying, well, they're winning these games, they're just blowing everybody out. But you watch a lot of the games up close, you realize they're getting a lot of good saves, a lot of big saves, and a lot of good play from their goaltenders. But you got them, you got Toronto and Tampa right there. Tampa, we know what they've done, been to the finals three straight years, won two cups. Toronto's got a good team, but. They haven't been able to find their way out of the first round, mainly because they keep running into either Boston or Tampa. And then on the east, in the uh, in the Metro, you got Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers. And you know, this is the, the amongst these six teams. I guess we're going to see what else teams do before 
the deadline on March 3rd, the trade deadline to help their team. But, uh, you know, I know you guys have been talking about the Rangers a little bit. I like the Rangers. So I think the Rangers, but I, I do think they're, they haven't been able to get, like last year they got to the conference finals. That's a big run. Sometimes you, it takes a little, there takes some bumps along the road before you get there and, and win it all. But I think when you look on paper, great goaltender, really good group of defense, top nine group of forwards that's really hard to deal with. Uh, you know, I like that group. So I, I think it's kind of a toss-up. Boston seems to be the favorite because of the way they've played, but matchups and injuries in the playoffs are the big thing, and we'll see how it plays out when we get there. You know, Panarin and Zabonajet, they're cute. Uh, I mean, they're Oh, young. my gosh. They're cute, EJ. He's, I just, out here, he's out here <laughs> telling me Patrice Bergeron could maybe be a second or third line player for Tampa. Well, he's saying facts. Miko Zabonajet um, is cute. Like, let's... Uh, here, we can't the, trust that a word this man says. Here's the issue I have with the Rangers. Uh, Shesterkin has not been as good this year as he was last, in my opinion. And their power play is tremendous, but outside of that, I, I think they struggle at times offensively. Do you see the same things, or, or am I, you know, watching the wrong game? Well, I would say this. I mean, I, I came into this year, you know, we all have to make predictions at the start of the year because that's what we do. So a lot of my picks this year weren't great because this has been a strange year. <laughs> the one thing I think has been a really good pick was that the I think the Rangers, I think they were going to face more adversity this year. Teams know they're coming now. Last year, there was a little bit of a surprising year. Everything went well. Kreider had 52 goals. Shesterkin at this time last year was at about 940 save percentage, which is kind of unsustainable for the most part based on the history of this game. This year, there would be some more bumps in the road, a little more adversity, but I think that will serve them well come playoff time. And I think it's kind of played out that way. There was a tough start to the year. Some of the guys are not performing as well. Kreider's not getting 50 goals this year. And to your point, Shesterkin has had there's been a little bit more struggle for him. He's still played very well. He just hasn't been like out of this world like he was last year. But I think all that stuff serves you well when it comes playoff time. They added Tarasenko now. Um, they have a, a really, like I said, their top nine group of forwards. It's it's hard to kind of deal with them. They're all very, they have some really high end players, and they have some young players that because you can't focus your checkers on them, the guys like Lafreniere and Kako and and uh, and Heedle, they get to benefit from good matchups in the postseason. And I think their group of defensemen is as good a group as there is when you when you go down the line and you have uh, Fox and and Lindgren as one pair. You got Miller and Truba as another pair. They added Mikola. The kid Schneider is going to be a really good player. So I like their team. Now I, I just do think though. I mean, the East is a bear, mm-hmm. and just like I think they could get to the final and maybe win the whole thing. They could just as easily, if they play New Jersey in the first round, they could just as easily get knocked off by a Devils team that is really fast. And that's what I talk about, Bob, when I say matchups. Like, when you match up in the first round, who are you playing? Are you getting a favorable matchup, or are you getting a matchup that is a tricky one? And the Devils, if they play the Rangers and both sides are healthy, the problem for the Rangers is the Devils play really fast, they push you on your heels, and they can create a matchup problem because of the speed. So I like the Rangers. But none of those teams that we've talked about, of those six, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina Rangers, and Devils, if you tell me any of those six are in the final, I got no problem with it because I think they're all really good teams. That's what I like about Tampa, though, Stormy, that they're matchup proof. I hate you. They really are. You know what? We That's are. a great point. Yeah. Because you have, a great, you have a great goalie. You're almost always, I would say, you probably always have the edge in goal. Because of your Vasilevsky. goal. Yep. You look at the top. You look at the top defenseman. Headman. Or Headman. 
there's not very many teams that have a top defenseman like Victor Hedman. You get through the group a little bit more, it thins out because they've had cap challenges, but it's still a good group of defensemen. And up front, they've got, they've got a great group of forwards. And, you know, again, they're, they're, they're slotted in the right way. So I think there's something to that. There's, they're, they're a tricky matchup because they have a lot of advantages, and that's why they've been to the Cup Final three years in a row. They find ways to win. They've got a great coach. They have a lot. There's absolutely a million positives about the Lightning, and they're going to be hard to deal with as well. EJ, you're not helping my cause here. He's just trolling me every time we cut away. Um, speaking to the uh, the trade deadline coming up, though, on March 3rd, who are some teams that you're hearing could potentially be a little bit aggressive here as we approach the deadline? Well, I mean, I think Vegas is always aggressive. I mean, you know that story. You do a lot of work with the Golden Knights. I mean, Bill Foley, the owner in that group, they were trying to win yesterday. So, I mean, they're aggressive and uh you know, they've got a little room to play with with Mark Stone's situation, so uh, they might be in the mix. I think Dallas, when I look at them, they're a team that I like their team, but they always seem to be one goal short in a lot of games against other good teams. You know, when they played Tampa recently, you lose by a goal, one goal at the end with an empty net. You play, uh, play Boston. Boston the other night, you yeah. lose in overtime. You play the Rangers, you lose in overtime. You play the Devils, you lose in overtime. They seem like they're one goal short against some of these good teams, so you know, they've been linked in some by some to Patrick Kane. I don't know if Kane, you know, has, has made up his mind what he exactly wants to do, but, I mean, that seems like either of those spots, actually, Dallas or Vegas, could be a good spot for Patrick Kane. So I think Dallas will be will looking at things. L.A., now those teams in the Pacific, I think they're all kind of looking at maybe adding a piece or two. But with the cap so tight, the only thing I can think of is that we're getting to March 3rd is that teams are really maybe just waiting until they get right up against it, so they can incur as less, you know, less money. You know, with every day, money ticks off contracts, and you're taking on less money for your own cap. So when you acquire a guy on March 3rd, it costs you less, and you're, you're, you take less of a cap hit when, than when you acquire him on February 10th. But there's a cost to that as well because now the player is not able to uh, kind of assimilate into your group uh, as quickly as maybe you would hope getting ready for the postseason. So uh, I, I, it'll be really, it's going to be an interesting deadline, Stormy. It's going to be as interesting a, a trade deadline as I've seen in quite a while just because of the cap challenges for different teams and because there's a lot of interesting players on the market, and it's really tight right now. Like, we all have our, our feelings about who we think is going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if there, there's at least seven, eight teams that I think have a really legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup. It's going to be an exciting back half of the season. Real quickly, we've only got about 45 seconds left, but you're out there in Raleigh getting set for the outdoor game tomorrow. What can fans expect? Well, I think it's going to be a really great night for the community here in Raleigh. It's 25 years of, of hockey here with the, with the Carolina Hurricanes, and this is a huge event for them. I mean, these outdoor games, you know, we've seen a bunch of them over the last 15 years or so, so maybe on a national stage it's not something new. But in each individual market, when you have an event like this, it's, it, it's an event, and it's a big deal for the hockey fans in the market. So I think they're going to put on quite a show. And the Canes have been playing really good hockey, and they catch a Capitals team right now that is really struggling, that's missing some key players. Ovechkin's not here due to the, the death of his dad, so our condolences to, to the Ovechkins. And John Carlson is out still. Tom Wilson is out. So, I mean, it's a challenge right now for the Caps. EJ, thank you so much Great for the stuff, time. EJ. appreciate you. All right, thanks. Those outdoor games are awesome. Canes, 11-1-1, one one, their last 13 games. 
Puckstradamus does not know best, and I will prove it to you when our in-pocket plays get turned around on the other side of this break. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 